Hey, Trailblazing Justice listeners. This is Beatrix, the producer of the podcast. Welcome back to another special episode of Stop Tear Gaslighting Us. In this series, we will be taking a look back on the 2020 George Floyd protests in Portland and look at where we are now. We will be interviewing protesters who are on the ground and ask them about their experience. This series is to mark the two-year anniversary mark of the protests, to remember what happened during the summer in which studies shown Portland became the most tear-gassed city in America. We look at media portrayal compared to what it was actually like and what the protests may have accomplished and if the demands around policing were met. Join us to hear from protesters, hopefully each week. Thanks for tuning in. All right, so can you uh, let us know who you are and a bit of your background? My name is Rabbi Ariel Stone. I'm a rabbi. I am the spiritual guide of Portland's only East Side Jewish congregation. We're independent. We're in support of um, social justice issues, environmental justice issues, and uh, of the movement for black lives. And so when I began getting involved in issues of police brutality, and that of course spilled over into the summer of 2020 in so many ways, my congregation was very supportive and appreciated uh, the fact that I was involved and uh, they came along with me a lot, which was really nice. As well, uh, I'm also the convener of the Portland Interfaith Clergy Resistance, which considers it our uh, our mission to accompany those who are lifting up the voice of justice in the streets and to uh, stand uh, with them, sit with them, roll with them uh, in those moments and to assert the First Amendment rights of speech and assembly in the streets. Um, and so thinking back to um, the beginning of the protest, um, what would you say were your motivations and why you joined? Just before everything started, after the death of George Floyd, a black pastor who's a close friend of mine called me weeping and saying we need to do something. And that was the beginning of putting together a very large gathering that you may recall with the Urban League and the NAACP and uh, Commissioner Hardesty and lots of people coming together. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but there was a coffin in the middle of uh, the square that day and I was the one who provided that. So I joined the protest because I believe that the people who are in the streets are the people who are the most important expression of what's going on right now in our society. A lot of us suppress our feelings, a lot of us get distracted, a lot of us are afraid. But to express what all of us are dealing with is to go out on the streets and say, this isn't right. Yeah. to call out for justice and I am so honored to join in that and to have my presence when I join in seen as something that's uh, welcome 
right? So think about this. In 2017, I remember talking with several of my black pastor friends about the fact that unlike the civil rights movement of the 60s, there ain't no pastors speaking, you know, at these gatherings. This is not a church-led movement. Hmm. And so we were all trying to be very humble about that. We're not the ones leading it. We're not the voices that need to be in front. So I like to say I'm not a sage on the stage. I'm a guide at the side, right? I like, I'm also old enough to feel kind of like, you know, uh, a mother hen. Let me make sure you guys are safe. So a couple times I've found myself with the corkers, you know, staying between you and that, that van down there I don't quite trust. Um, so there's a little bit of motherly energy in it. There's a little bit of prophetic, how dare you hurt my people? How dare you come after the young people? How dare you? There's a little bit of channeling the prophet there, uh, which I think is kind of fun. Um, There's a little bit of appreciation. There's a lot of appreciation for people who stand up for ethics and don't wait for an institution to do it for them. Right? People are out in the streets because they feel personally that they need to speak up. And then when they turn around and say, well, where are the institutions? You know, people like my group, you know, the Interfaith Clergy Resistance was formed when Teresa Rayford looked at me during the, the protest after Kwanis Hayes' murder and said, where are all the faith leaders? And I said, well, we're here. You just can't recognize us. We're not in distinctive clothing. So I went out and got us a bunch of purple vests. Mm. Right? So it was, you know, where are the faith leaders? We need the faith leaders to be supporting us. I don't think anybody was asking the faith leaders to lead us, mm. to be with us, to walk with us, to us to affirm that this is the voice of God rising from the streets. Yeah. Whether it's at Occupy Ice or whether it's downtown in front of the Injustice Center, wherever it may be. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and so uh, switching gears a little bit, taking a look at, um, you know, how national news outlets, even local uh, media had covered the protests in Portland from, you know, Portland's on fire. It's a lawless land, anarchist jurisdiction. Um, what would you want people to know about what it was like um, on the streets? That people take care of each other, that people look out for each other, that people try to step in between the overwhelming brutality of the police and their more vulnerable comrades. That the joke is that it's not a leftist protest unless there's a bunch of people in drag passing out snacks. Uh, that Antifa is the nicest group of people I've ever met and anybody who isn't an anti-fascist is unfortunately considering the other and that's not good. Uh, that Jews are among the first anti-fascists and I'm very proud of that. Mm. That Antifa is always appreciated after the fact. Yeah, we blew up all the train lines the Nazis were using in Europe. You were happy about that at the time. Mm. Uh, that what I saw was a bunch of people who simply I'll tell you something uh, a very leftist activist said to me during the first couple of days at the Justice Center Mm. if the police had put up some shields and taken a few steps back and not engaged Mm. if they had gone back inside the building probably the whole thing would have fizzled out in a day or two, three. Mm. 
Wow. If they de-escalated. If they had de-escalated. Right. Instead, they did the opposite. And the more they did, the more that people, innocent people trying to peacefully protest became angry people who weren't so peaceful because, hey, you just tear-gassed my friend. Right? So... We learned a lot about what turns gentle people into angry people who are willing and able to fight back. But notice also some of the most brilliant things they did to, to keep the moral high ground. Mm. So let's just talk about um, leaf blowers. <laughs> right? Or umbrellas. <laughs> or having the, the guts to pick up a gas canister and throw it back. It's a sport. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or um, uh, the the all the blocks that were created, you yeah. know, the the litter block that started picking up litter at protests during the protests as a form of protest. Mm-hmm. Portland, some of Portland's left is the most caring, the most creative, mm. the most resilient people. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so you had touched on this um, a bit. Uh, I would love to to just be completely love struck by <laughs> by protesters all day because I love talking about our pals. But um, what did you see specifically from Portland police? Because I know a lot of coverage was on federal agents, but what did you see from their activity? At protests. Well, I vividly remember the night that they set a the, the activists set a dump activist leftist protesters. What do we call them? Protesters set a dumpster on fire in front of the Multnomah County Court uh, uh, Office Building, mm-hmm. and um, I think even set a fire inside that night. And I remember that for a while, people th- thought the cops weren't going to show up. Mm. And that may have even been what led somebody who had was hepped up on too much adrenaline to, to break a window and set the fire inside. Um, you know, and not, not everybody's ideas are equally good, right? But I remember when the police finally did arrive, and, you know, the, the word went around long before they got there because people are paying attention and people are passing the word. When they did arrive, it was a group of riot police all, all kitted out, and they walked down the middle of the street like stormtroopers in a phalanx marching along and as somebody who was clearly uh marked as well when i wear the purple vest it it looks a lot like the aclu's legal observer blue vest and so people tend to treat me like an observer right so i'm not exactly part of it i'm kind of with it but on the side which is pretty good for a witnessing role right uh, and it works for me a lot of the time and so i sort of um i remember vividly walking along the sidewalk and watching this huge group of police huge right i don't know anything about under underfunding or understaffing huge group of police are all stomping down the street and they're so kitted out that they're so heavy and so scary looking and they're stomping down the street and in front of them walking backward are a bunch of people now this is summertime dressed in shorts and t-shirts some of them in black a lot of them not 
yeah. unarmed, un, you know, uh, unarmored, mm-hmm. and still like trying to look out for each other and trying to stay clear of these guys and. We one of the things that happens is they then go down a side road and they're told, you know, clear this street and clear that street. But one of the things I remember, I think this may have been one of the things that was picked up a lot. I'm not sure. I, th- this may have even been one of the settlements or one of the cases that's still pending. But I remember watching somebody not wearing as many clothes and not weighing half as much being tackled by one of these humongous cops um, and being really hurt. Yeah. Yeah, and and we, I mean, those who may not have been there um, may have only seen what's documented, right? Or what comes out in articles or a lawsuit. But there was so much brutality where I look at the number of 6,000 uses of force from PPB and that's only what's reported. That was one of them for sure. I, I suppose it did get per, uh, reported, but it's just it's something to have that happen right in front of you and the thud on the pavement right and the the sound of human bodies um the the officers seemed well you know they they were covering their id they were um angry and and dismissive and into some kind of it looked like they were into some kind of group think uh where you know they were facing well you've seen the training slides yeah i we know what they were being told and they looked i mean seeing finding out about that training slide feels just about right to what i saw that night Um, other nights in front of the justice center I'm, i'm speechless about the the lack of the short-sightedness of the police policy or or the lack of uh, adequate training who knows um because it comes across as very short-sighted very uh counterproductive and immoral yeah absolutely um yes we can write a long litany of uh, a, a long list of uh, things that PPB have done and we they take up all the libraries in the world <laughs> but um, yeah just to to end um, hoping to um, hit on since the protest it's been you know two years um, it's kind of a part a part B question you can also combine it do you see that the protest achieved anything and then the kind of part two is um where do you think you are now we sorry where do you think we are now in portland so if it achieved anything maybe in portland is the question yeah so i think uh it did achieve uh something we saw a groundswell that was acknowledged by city hall Mm -hmm. uh we saw an opportunity to attempt to reclaim the city budget. And we saw efforts made in that direction. And we saw laws being passed at the state legislature. Mm -hmm. And now we see a breathtakingly quick whiplash of a turnaround. We see the ground that we thought we had gained 
being pulled out from under us. And we realize, I think, we realize the strength, the power of the powers that are aligned against justice, mm. that have other interests. Mm. What we are seeing now, I think, is a huge pushback against the gains we hoped we were making. That doesn't mean it wasn't good to lift our voices. Right At the beginning of the fight, you think you might win. By the end of the fight, you realize you're out there because to do anything else would be to be untrue to yourself. You're not out there to win. You're out there because this is who you are and this is what you believe. And that in and of itself is a form of winning, right? You know, if I can't change the world maybe at the end of the day, but I'm not going to let the world change me. Yeah. Yes. There's a quote from... Uh, uh, Protestant, because I'm a former evangelical, but Martin Luther, who is very stinky in certain ways, oh, said, yeah. he said um, something that still stuck with me where it was, it was like, if the world is ending tomorrow, I'm still going to plant my apple tree. And I'm like, even if it feels like a losing game, I think it's, it's. You've been listening to Trailblazing Justice. This is Beatrix, the producer of the podcast. We hope you'll join us next week for another special episode of Stop Tear Gaslighting Us and also for our regular content from Bobbin and Eric. Thanks for tuning in. You're out there for me as well. Yeah. It made me feel really good that they felt that way and that I could carry that message for them. Yeah, that's good. It's always worth standing up. Absolutely. Right. Sorry for the ableist language. It's always yeah. asserting with a full voice what we know to be right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rabbi. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you again yeah. online and mm-hmm. elsewhere. You have been listening to Trailblazing Justice. This is Beatrix, the producer of the podcast. We hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Stop Tear Gaslighting Us, as well as our regular content from Bobbin and Eric. Thanks for tuning in.